Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz, everybody. 396 in the house, Oscar Lopez, along with uh, Coach Terry Lister in the house. And then we're going to be followed by the return of the backseat coach, Mark Simone, in about 30 minutes. And in the second hour, you got Nate Ward, Mackenzie Brooks, coming in here to break down everything NFL for the Week 8 preview. Uh, so we are loaded for two hours of jam-packed. So don't forget to go to Monkey Night Fight. You can get NBA NFL, everything there, Monkey Night Fight, free $5 play with the code NJF. Thanks to everybody who's gone there. And if you play more or less like I do, it's pretty easy, simple props, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, you're right there. If you want to play uh, NBA nightly, you can if you want. So it's uh, pretty easy to do, $5 play up to $100 match. So uh, you can pretty much win $15 on a $5 play if you get them right. Uh, if you put in 30 you get win 90 If you put in inclined to put $100, you're going to be able to rake in about $300. So check it out, Monkey Night Fight. That's our uh, podcast sponsor, and they keep us afloat and promoting Women's American Football News Weekly. And also, don't forget to go to Zazzle.com for Sasquatch Beauties, or you can go to the hub. Right there is the page for the uh, apparel and everything else. So go to Zazzle.com for Sasquatch Beauties. Use the codes, daily codes, up to 20% off. If you're overseas in Spain, U.K., Germany, or Finland out in Europe, uh, you can go to the site right there. Go at the very bottom. You'll have your own country code. Use the country code of your choice. It saves you money on shipping and also saves you money on your own denomination. So thanks for supporting us. Go to Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. Check it out. They're also a sponsor of us. So uh, support us and uh, get a nice, cool shirt. So uh, check it out. All right, let's bring in the coach, Terry Lister, in the house. Coach Terry, how's it going? Not too bad, man. How are you doing? Good, man. Just look, looking forward to another week of uh, the NFL, and then uh, excited for uh, the NBA coming back. So, as a DFS guy, I'm totally stoked about the NBA. It's a nightly rush. Yeah, right on. I'm with it. Yeah, no, I'm cool. Um, Terry, let's let's dive into this college stuff. Uh, nine overtimes, coach. Have you ever been a part of nine overtimes? That's crazy. I have, I have not. Not only have I not been a part of nine overtimes, I've never even watched nine overtimes before. So that Penn State crazy. game was uh, hard to even believe that that's even possible. But I was just wondering to myself, how 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 do those players feel <laughs> at the point you know when the game ended? I mean, you, you would be like beyond tired, right? Like, I, I don't know how they even made it that far. I mean, far. that's like, like, what is that, Terry? Is that, is that four hours? Normally it's like three hours or something. That's like almost five hours of football. Yeah. It's just exhausting. Yeah. I would assume it's about five hours, um, which is almost yeah. two full games. That's just nuts. I mean, shout yeah. out to them, but that's, that's a marathon I mean, for sure. I had a, I had a literally uh, message Holly because I was like, is this possible? <laughs> Did somebody screw up? <laughs> You know what I mean? What's there, going on here? Yeah, is there an OT limit? No, I guess not. Yeah. Not like, for college. Are we playing t- till the next day? 
like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm to your, I'm with your point, man. I have ne- I had in high school, I only played, I think we only played one overtime game, but that was just a, you know, a quick field goal and you're done and you're either sad or happy and you're, go- you're good to go. But nine mm-hmm. overtimes, I mean, uh, what was their point? Uh, two crappy teams that don't want to score. <laughs> Literally put <laughs> it both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, crazy. man. Imagine the uh, Terry. Imagine the coaching staff <laughs> on both sides. They're like, oh, geez. what's going on? Yeah, yeah you probably exhausting play just just during the game. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. Terry, for the sixth time in eight weeks, we have multiple top ten college football teams that suffered defeat. So I guess mm-hmm. if you're <laughs> if you're the AP top twenty-five and the coaching poll, that's it actually makes your job a little bit more uh, challenging because now you got to rank everybody <laughs> instead of just plugging in every week the same teams. Now it's interesting. Yeah, that's what I was saying last week. I kind of like that, actually, because, you know, especially, you know, you usually have the same few teams that are near the top every year, like Alabama um, and a few other teams, Clemson. You know, usually Ohio State's pretty high. But the fact that this year there's been so many upsets, especially in the top ten, um, and really shook shook things up, um, I actually enjoy that. Yeah, I think it's paired. It's a little better that way because it's um, if you want to like excite people, make you know the pro- programs. In other words, like certain programs, yeah. Just if they're into that, you know, top twenty-five, they go into the top ten, they start trending into mm-hmm. the top eight. Then you really start to get more fanfare, right? In terms of uh, booster clubs and support, and and everybody starts to get really excited. And and those that you take down, you know, with the big ranking, because everybody wants to take down a ranked team. You know what I mean? You get to that stage where mm-hmm. one program takes down a ranked team, it just makes everything mm-hmm. so exciting for the season. Um, besides the absurd, <laughs> the absurd nine overtime loss to unranked mm-hmm. Illinois, uh, what do you think of Penn State right now? <laughs> Well, um, I came into the season thinking Penn State was going to be a pretty decent team. They were in the top ten there for a minute. Um, but if my memory serves me correctly, I think they barely lost to Illinois, right? Or, or not Illinois, um, yeah. Iowa. And they played them. Iowa. And then they, then they had this crazy game against Illinois. And I want to say that there was one other game um, – I'd have to look again, but I want to say they lost to somebody by a decent margin. But, Coach, offensively, they're just not getting it done. And then, obviously, you know, to lose by two points in nine overtimes, that's pretty bad. You know, for for, for a prestige program that we consider them, you know what I mean? Penn State, Illinois, not so much because you don't think of Illinois as top powerhouse. But Penn State usually is, in, in tradition, is considered a powerhouse, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think Penn State's still still well coached, um, and I think their defense probably is is not bad. But you know, if you don't have a good offense, or if you have a hard time, you know, scoring touchdowns, you're going to have a hard time winning games. And so that's just kind of the reality of where Penn State is, which is great news for my Ohio State Buckeyes. But it's unfortunate mm-hmm. for them, you know, because they they have taken a step back this year as a team. So kind of is what it is. All right, so <laughs> coach. So you go from that game, and if you're Oklahoma State, you can't you can't even mount a comeback, and you end up losing to Iowa State. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep, 
another another upset. Um, it's funny. I, I was I heard. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, how quotes can. You never know with quotes if they're real or not. But I heard somebody quoted uh, J- Joe Burrows as saying that he's not intimidated by any any NFL stadiums crowds because the crowds in the SEC are much louder. Um, I agree with him. I, I really do. I agree yeah. with him. I think it's. I, I have. I don't this debate there because I, I really think that is the case. You know, yeah, he's, so he's been on a big stage in that aspect. Uh, NFL game is just mm-hmm. kind of like okay, it's just same to the you know what he's played before, I guess. Yeah. So if that's true, I mean, um, that just kind of he's coming from the Browns. Right? So that's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, the dog pound not going to be that, that big of a factor. That's what he's saying. I think that's what he's saying. He's taunting us a little bit, which is fine. <laughs> we'll see how that works out for him. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I think it, w- along that point with college, you know, the crowds do matter and it's kind of any, mm-hmm. any given Saturday, you know, as far as upset upsets go. So if you have a well-coached team or you have the right game plan, for somebody, um, this is why you see Texas A&M knocking off Alabama, and then these upsets upsets we saw this week. And so, I like it because I, I always root for the underdog, and um, I'm hoping that Ohio State can win out and get get into the top four for the playoffs. I think they're at number five right now, um, so it's all good for me, and it's good for the sport. You know, upsets are good. It just kind of shakes things up. Well, talking about upsets, you know. When you talk about this season, we had we have to talk about number two Cincinnati. I mean, who would have thought you would be ranking Cincinnati number two, right? It's like there's not even you wouldn't. I, I don't think I am I, I don't follow college football that closely for the last couple seasons, except for you know when Holly and myself were interacting. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody assumed that Cincinnati was going to be number two at at this point, eight weeks into this this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember when Ohio State played Cincinnati a year or two ago. And, um, you know, it was interesting at first, and then Ohio State pulled away, and it kind of is what it is. The, the thing about it is, is if, if I'm not mistaken, the Cincinnati head coach is a former Ohio State coach, and so there's a little bit of um, history there. And so you can make the argument that if he's from, you know, Ohio State or Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer's coaching tree, sure. um, that this isn't yeah. that surprising. But Cincinnati's not, um, you know, a renowned football school. And so the fact that they've been able to put together a, a good enough roster, especially at key positions to be undefeated and have a pretty decent shot at winning out is really cool. I mean, I'm from Ohio, so I root for all Ohio teams basically. Um, and so I'm happy to see that, but it, the, I looked at their schedule actually, cause I was curious. There's about two or three games left on their schedule that aren't going to be easy wins. They sh- they, they should win them. They're going to be favorites. But but they could be upsets, and one of them is ECU. So, uh, Kay Mitchell, that uh, from the WNFC, her son plays for ECU, and um, yep. he's a really good running back. And so the Pirates, um, I think it's the Pirates. Yeah, yep. So I'll be I'll be interested yep. to see if they can win those those last two or three games. They look like they're tough, and so we'll see. I mean, it's one thing to be undefeated; it's another thing to finish undefeated. And so they're, they're about halfway there. So we'll see how they can finish up. Well, uh, they the Bearcats needed a last-minute interception against the midshipmen to secure the 27-20 victory. Uh, well, Oklahoma, uh, 35-23 win 
obviously uh, also, you know, um, some of a, a big, big win there. Um, Oregon yeah. also needed yet another defensive stop in as many weeks to avoid an upset, and they beat my Bruins, which I was not very happy about. I mean, this this should have been a win, <laughs> but there you go, late late interception, and we go down again. But I'm I'm kind I'm, I'm kind of okay with Chip Kelly running the ship. You know what I mean? It's a t- totally different dynamic than the past couple of years with the Bruins. So, I guess we're just yeah. you know the better team, the better team won, as they say. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about that, Oscar. As far as, you know, if a team has been bad for a few years and then you have a new head coach, um, and as long as you're trending in the right direction, right? We all know that Rome wasn't built in a day. So as long as you're as, – and I've always thought about this as a coach. As long as I'm better than I was last year, right? So as long as I've learned my lessons and you might not, might not necessarily have a better record because you, every year your schedule's different. But you, if you feel like you're putting out a better product every single year, then you can sleep good at night. Um, so you as a US, uh, UCLA fan, you know if you feel like UCLA is a better team with Chip Kelly. And so if that's the case, then it's only going to get better from here. You know what I'm saying? Because usually coaches need you know, two or three years to actually get all their classes in and get their system settled and stuff like that. So, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. That's time. what I'm saying. I'm, it's kind of promising from where we were at two or three years ago to yeah. now where we're at. So it's a little bit more yeah, promising absolutely. in terms of the past. So uh, let's go into yeah. Holly's take from last week. Let's get a Holly's Corner, Holly, our own Holly Custis. Welcome back to Holly's Corner. Here are some of the most interesting results in college football for the weekend. Appalachian State 30, number 14, Coastal Carolina 27. This was a big upset for Appalachian State. Coastal Carolina was riding high on the top 15 of the country and was looking to creep into the top 10. Instead, Appalachian State kicked a field goal to win. This game was won on the ground as Appalachian State outgained Coastal Carolina 228 yards to 55. Number 2, Cincinnati 27, Navy 20. Another Cinderella team almost got taken down by Navy, but the Bearcats survived in advance. Ryder didn't have his best game, but was still productive. Navy's run-heavy offense was able to play some keep away and control the clock, which almost got it done for Navy. Number three, Oklahoma 35, Kansas 23. Oklahoma goes back into their previous cardiac lane and has to hang on to a one-win Kansas team on the road. Caleb Williams comes back down to earth just a little bit in the passing game, but the sooner run game saves them. Kansas was able to burn Oklahoma deep to make it interesting. Illinois 20, number 7, Penn State 18, and 9 overtimes. Yes, you heard right. This game went into 9 overtimes. There are new overtime rules in college football this year. Starting in the second overtime, if a team scores a touchdown, they have to go for 2. Starting in the third overtime, each team gets the ball at the other's 3-yard line and has one play to get it in. Much like penalty kicks in soccer, you go until one team scores and the other team doesn't. These overtimes were very entertaining as most coaches don't have nine go-to-goal line offensive plays. There were trick plays and there were simple power runs. There were great stops and missed tackles. It was definitely exciting. The Illinois starting quarterback broke his arm during one overtime and the backup Casey Washington turned into the hero to win it. Number 10, Oregon 34, UCLA 31. This is a good storyline game considering UCLA's Chip Kelly was once the director of a mini-conference 
dynasty when he coached at Oregon. Chip has a competitive UCLA team this year, although they've made some mistakes in their losses. This was a big conference game. Oregon has played down to their competition the last couple of weeks, kind of like Oklahoma has at times. The start to the game wasn't much different, and the first quarter UCLA could do no wrong and was up 14 to nothing. Then the light bulb switched, and Anthony Brown stood up to the criticism he faced and had the best second and third quarters of his career with Oregon. He did have two picks late that allowed UCLA to get back in the game, but hopefully Oregon gets to see more of the second and third quarter Brown going forward. Meanwhile, Kayvon Thibodeau was an absolute beast. He ended the game with nine tackles, two sacks, and four tackles for loss on the game. DTR for UCLA will be having bad dreams of Kayvon for a while. Iowa State 24, Oklahoma State 21. I called this one as a good game to watch, and I was correct. Iowa State is still a good team, even though they have two losses. Going into the game, it was looking like on paper that this would be an awesome matchup between the running backs and Warren and Hall, but it ended up being a game through the air as it progressed. Brock Purdy ended up with 307 passing yards and two touchdowns to get the win. All right, Terry, so there she breaks it down for us as we just talked about the nine overtimes, the Oregon game. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how week nine uh, shakes up because we have uh, my notes here, week nine top games that she's going to bring up to us, Michigan versus Michigan State, which is always a huge rivalry. Um, you have your, your Ohio State will take on Penn State, so number 20 against Ohio State. Ole Miss taking on, uh, I believe, Auburn. Auburn, And then you have uh, uh, North, uh, I guess North Carolina taking on Notre Dame. Georgia versus Florida. So interesting, it's going to be a, a, that Michigan matchup is always intense, especially with that rivalry. Mm-hmm. Those rivalry games are the best. So I obviously don't like Michigan very much. Um, I don't have anything against Michigan State, so I'm rooting for Michigan State. Is Michigan still undefeated? Um, no, I, maybe double-check because I don't I'm get my notes. Hold on for a second. Let me get my notes because um, I don't know if they are or not. Um, I'm going to have to look it up right now. You see Michigan. Yeah, they're 7-0. 7-0, okay. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, they're both 7-0. They're both wow, that's a huge game then. They're both top 10, number 6 versus number 8, and they're both 7-0. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean. So that's going to be interesting. It <laughs> yeah. should be a very interesting matchup then. Uh, you have yeah. Texas Tech. I'm sorry, you have number one Georgia at Florida. Could be a letdown game at this point, uh, but I really highly doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I lean that way, too, for for, for obvious reasons. Um, I actually I, – I like Florida, too. I, I lived in Gainesville for a couple of years when I was younger, and so I root for Florida. But, um, you know, Georgia's defense is crazy good. And so, you know, on paper, this is a pretty easy win for Georgia. But football is not played on paper. So even though Florida is only four and three, which isn't a great, great record, um, and they're coming off a loss to LSU, which is kind of embarrassing. LSU is not great this year. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, they got a fighter's chance, so we'll see. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be interesting for this coming week. The week, the, this week alone, a lot of undefeateds in the top ten. To your point, we've got Michigan 7-0, and 
Uh, even Iowa at 6-1 is kind of trending upwards. Ole Miss trending upwards. Um, everybody else has somewhat dropped a little bit in between the 11th and the 20th um, at this point. So uh, the big movers, um, I think, would be – let's see here, my notes. So after Pittsburgh's 27-17 win over Clemson, the Panthers climbed six spots in the AP poll to 17, which was the biggest jump of any team in the country. They currently hold a two-game lead in the loss column over Virginia in the ACC Coastal, and they, they were uh, bowl eligible at 6-1 and one through Week 8. Uh, Baylor were the second biggest positive mover as its rankings improved by four spots to number 16, even though the Bears were off in Week 8. Uh, losses by Penn State, Coastal Carolina, NC State, and Auburn allowed Baylor to move up into the AP poll while sitting at home over the weekend, preparing for its upcoming game against Texas. And then there's number seven, Oregon, number 12, Kentucky, number 13, Wake Forest, and number 14, Texas A&M, each of which improved its ranking by three spots. In the other direction, Penn State fell 13 spots to number 20 after its nine overtime loss to Illinois after their first loss of the season. Coastal Carolina dropped 10 spots, while number 15, Oklahoma State, fell to seven spots. So a lot of a lot of shuffle. And to your point, that's literally what we want to see and is exciting. So here are the matchups for this weekend, week nine's ranked matchups to watch. Uh, you can watch the number six, Michigan, at number eight, Michigan State, on, uh, I believe, on Fox. Uh, number 10, Ole Miss, at Auburn uh, on ESPN. Uh, number 20, Penn State at number 5, Ohio, which Terry Lister is going to be watching very closely on ABC. And so, uh, so there are a pair, of t- a pair of tough 25 matchups in the Big Ten East as Michigan and Michigan State meet for the first time in, in series history when each has a record of 7-0. and So two undefeated Michigan teams. Well, you can, if you're a, a Michigan you know, native, obviously this is, this is what you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't um... – in Ohio, unfortunately, I mean, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, depends on who you're asking, um, Ohio State's been the juggernaut for college football in Ohio for a long time. And so mm-hmm. we don't have the luxury of having an you know interstate uh, rival like that. But, of course, we have um, a rival up north, which is one of the teams that we're talking about. So, yeah, I mean – it's good and bad, right? It's good to be the king. <laughs> so Ohio State's been the king of Ohio for a while, um, but also it's kind of cool to have that that rivalry too. You know, just for the fans, it just it's nice. So, well, we might know, we might get to see Cincinnati there at some point down the road if, if the game improves a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think what Cincinnati's in. Um, what what, uh, what conference are they in? Um, I want to say the big is it Mid America? I want to say Mid America, but I don't know if, if I'm it correct. Must, it might be. Okay. Yeah, um, I wish I could look at it. In the crowded SEC West, Auburn will host Ole Miss in a matchup between top 25 teams that each only has one loss in the conference play. Alabama currently sits in first place in the division at four and one. Both the Rebels and the Tigers have scored and allowed a similar number of points in the conference play. Ole Miss has allowed 136 points. Scored 135, while Auburn has allowed 76, while scoring 72. So expect this to be very competitive, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are great matchups. Like you mentioned, the, the two teams that have one loss in the SEC going at it. Um, those are the kind of things that kind of separate teams, right? Because 
you can have one loss and still make the playoffs, which is what I hope Ohio State does. But if you have two losses, you know, good luck. So um, all the teams that make the playoffs basically are either undefeated or with one loss that I've seen. So that's a pretty big deal. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, let's get Holly's take for week nine, and then we're going to jump into the international news with the women's news from the hub. Here are the best matchups for college football for next week. Number six, Michigan at number eight, Michigan State. This is a huge game for the Big Ten. Not only is this a rival game, this is a game for inside track to the conference. The Wolverines run the ball well and play defense. This is a hallmark of any Harbaugh-led team. The Spartans have a little bit more flash. Which style wins? Number one, Georgia at Florida. This is another clash of styles. Georgia's deep front is a monster and Florida likes to move the ball. Even though Florida has dipped lately, this should still be an entertaining game, and should Florida get enough points on the board, it would be a chance for them to really turn over the playoffs apple cart. Texas Tech at number four, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is on shaky water ground again thanks to their up-and-down performances against lesser opponents. Texas Tech just fired their head coach after a loss to Kansas State and will likely play inspired. This, this could get interesting. Number 10, Ole Miss at number 18, Auburn. This could not only improve the chance for Ole Miss to quietly move up the ranks, but also a chance for Matt Corral to get more Heisman chatter. He has the yardage and the good reputation, but another big-time win on the road would go a long way. Number 20, Penn State at number 5, Ohio State. Another separation Saturday game for the Big Ten. Penn State has struggled offensively against Illinois the last week and now has to keep up with the Ohio State offense. Can they take advantage of the Buckeye defense that has some issues at times with run defense? North Carolina at number 11, Notre Dame. This is a chance for Sam Howell to get some more Brownie Heisman points. The season has not gone as planned for the Tar Heels, but a win on the road at Notre Dame will get them back in the conversation for a solid bowl game. So really awesome takes from Holly right there. We are going to be uh, diving into this weekend in college football. And also the poll rankings are going to come out uh, at this point. Uh, and for the eligibility for the bowls, that's going to come out this coming uh, week. So, uh, Terry, pretty excited for this weekend because now uh, next week we'll actually get to see the, the bowl projections, which will give us a really clear picture of who's in and who's out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they they released the um, the bowl rankings, that's always exciting. Um, I, I'm one of the people that thinks that there should be eight teams instead of four teams. So I feel like if there's mm-hmm. eight teams, then some of those teams that are undefeated that get left out at number five or six will be able to get in and, and you know just have at least a chance to prove if they're worthy or not worthy. Um, but for now, we have four. It is what it is. Nobody cares what I think, and so on we go. But um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. What do you, Some good matches. What do you mean? Nobody cares what you think. There's a lot of people that care what you think. <laughs> International yeah, nobody's as well. Calling me. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's nobody's going to call you nobody's out. Calling me. We're going to call yeah. you out. <laughs> Mackenzie's going to call you out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she will. But, yeah, nobody – believe it or not, Oscar, nobody calls me to see what my two cents is on uh, how many teams should be in the college playoff. So, maybe they will in the future. But no. as of right now, there's no phone calls. I'm pretty sure somebody will dive into you eventually and have a have a beef with you, especially if, if their team is playing Ohio State. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. 
All right. Um, so no big deal. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, let's go to Monkey Knife Fight. If you haven't gone to Monkey Knife Fight, make sure to go to Monkey Knife Fight. You get a $5 free play up to $100 match. You can go more or less NFL, Thursday night, Sunday night, um, Monday night football, play NBA nightly. You can play pretty much PGA, NASCAR, MMA, whatever those events come on, UFC. So check it out, monkeyknife5.com. Go ahead and sign up, $5 free play. Use the code NJF to get started. All right, Terry, we're going to be talking uh, international news from the hub. So uh, if you're not at the hub, I have no idea where you're at. But anyways, you've got to go to the hub. Facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. That's the place to be for everything that's happening in women's American football internationally and domestically. So go to the hub, Facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. If you guys haven't checked out our Instagram, go to our Instagram at Grand Beauties on Instagram. Also go to our Twitter feed. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, thanks for everybody following us for the latest updates on women's American football and NFL news. Go to Twitter right there at Gridiron Beauty. All right, let's bring in uh, the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, back in the house. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. I'm glad to be back after kind of being away for a few weeks. Um, I want to thank Terry for Mark? stepping in and you missed providing us, Mark? You Can you hear me? Yeah, no, I said you missed us, Mark. I think you did. Oh, yeah, I definitely did. Um, but you know what? I was able to, you know, keep up with what was going on. Do you know how I did it? I went to the hub. And there that's where you got to be. Checked out the all the story. I don't know what's going on. Well, Even Terry knows now. He's got to be at the hub. Yeah. That's right. You know, I couldn't you – know, I, I had to miss a few weeks of shows, but I could still, you know, keep up with what was going on and be prepared just by going to the hub and, you know, keeping up with um, all the different international leagues. And there's a lot of football going on. So I definitely needed a resource, you know, to, uh, to keep me informed. And, wow, a lot has happened the last few weeks. Isn't that oh, right? Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. Um, me and Terry have been covering it for the last two weeks. So it's been great. Terry, you got me on speaker? I, I, can, I can hear my echo. Uh, yeah, let me take you off. Sorry. Okay. Right, no now we're normal. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, so, yeah, no, it's it's been pretty exciting. We've been covering uh, Czech Republic. We've been covering the uh, the uh, week one of LaFi, week one of Gridiron West. So it's pretty pretty awesome as well. Um, so let's dive into it. Uh, Mark, uh, just close by, uh, down south, uh, we got LaFi that kicked off. We got uh, Lexfa kicked off. This coming week, it's going to be FX Norte and FX Mexico going to kick off. Um, and then we got pretty much Gridiron West out in Australia. Uh, the the uh, U.K. is finishing up. Uh, Austria is going to be finishing up in three weeks. And then the championship is going to be next on uh, November 7th, Czech Republic. So um, what is your take here? Czech Republic, Berno, Amazons, me and uh, Terry talked about it last week, will not be making the final, which is kind of shocking, right? Yeah, it's pretty shocking. You know, they've been dominant for uh, several years. Um, and, you know, they've been in the reigning champion. Uh, but, you know, I really think it's really good for that league, um, for, you know, these teams uh, from Prague to kind of step up and, and be on the same – on that same level. Um, you know, their um, their competition between each other is, is – very interesting now. Now that we know that the, the 
the Black Cats and the Harpies are going to meet in the Rose Bowl final. Um, we can look back in the season and, and see what they did against each other, right? It's pretty interesting. Um, as we all know, uh, the, the Prague Black Cats uh, came out on fire and upset the Bruno Amazons in that first week of the season. But Which was a shocker. The next, we did not realize yeah. that, Mark. The first week we were like, what? What's going on here? So, But, yeah, to your point, yes, it was an uh, impressive win. It was. But the next week they, they fell flat against the Harpies. The Harpies uh, took down the Black Cats in their own house, all right, 23 to 6. So after that happened, I think we kind of had an idea, well, this is not going to be a typical season. Right in in the uh, Czech American Football Association, um, at and in week three, the you know the Black Cats struck back and defeated the Harpies at their house. So it's very interesting now that the two teams from Prague are, are facing in the finals. Uh, they both beat each other in in you know uh, each other's houses. Um, so it's kind of a toss up here. In the final, um, I will go on. I'll say I'm going to pick the Black Cats to to take the win. Um, we, we got a couple more weeks before the game's actually played. It's on November seventh. Um, it's it's at the Harpies' house, um, but of course this is the same city, so both teams get to um, enjoy sleeping in their own beds and eating their home cooking. Um, but I expect this to be a really great game. Um, definitely hard fought and there's going to be a new champion this year. So that's, that's very exciting. You know, Bruno's got to go kind of take it back, uh, go back to the drawing board as it were. I think last week, uh, coach Lister had a lot of great insights on what could happen to a team that's dominant, that kind of, you know, falls back a few steps. Um, so I found that very insightful, um, um, but for now, at, at any rate, um, you, we know that we're going to have a new champion. So I look back in history at this point. So for the two of you, uh, the Prague Black Cats, uh, since 2015, that's when the league was founded. Uh, the Black Cats were the first champions of the Czech League, 24-14 to Brno. That's what I have my notes on. Then they went into 2016. And returned to the final, and they got they got uh, beat by Berno, and that's when the Berno winnings twenty six to twelve, and then they got beat the following year uh, by I believe two points. So back to back years, sixteen and seventeen, they they lose. So and they're not uh, in the third in in two thousand eighteen, they got routed thirty two thirty two to six against the Amazons, and then in two thousand nineteen they did not compete, and twenty uh, they did not compete. Twenty one is here, so. The Black Cats are one in three in the finals, Terry. So I don't think they want to come into this final and basically lose. They would be one in four. The Harpies, the first trip to the final, obviously they're excited to try to win it all, right? First year coming in mm-hmm. after being in the league for so long, this would be a more memorable for them in a way, I guess. But for the Black Cats, I guess this would be getting it, get the get it off your shoulders that record, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Nobody likes to be, you know, the Buffalo Bills of a league where you make it to the big dance nope. and you can't, you know, finish it off. So it's kind of a, a monkey on your back, no pun intended. But, um, 
yeah, hopefully they can pull it off. But, you know, without without knowing those teams, like seeing stats, seeing scores, seeing kind of the power rankings, it's kind of hard to say. Um, but like Mark said, hopefully it's a good game. And it would be cool to see a, a new champion either way. Yeah, it's been great. This uh, The Harpies, uh, Mark, only team in this competition that has not made the finals, either an appearance or a loss. Uh, Warsaw did make it to the finals in uh, 2019, and they lost to Brno. And then, like I said, the, the Black Cats have lost to Brno. And so, uh, and Brno obviously has won or lost. One loss, and they're 4-1 and one in the finals. So, uh, memorable moment for Harpies since they played a pretty good, decent season. So, hopefully this will be their year. Yeah, congratulations to them for reaching the finals for the first time in their history. It's a, it's a, it's a milestone to be sure. So we know that they're going to do everything to um, have it be more than uh, just reaching the finals, but um, taking home that trophy. All right, so Terry, by the numbers, the Black Cats uh, offensively, they're averaging 28 points and allowing 13 Harpies are averaging okay. 24 points and allowing 15. So this should be a, a nail-biter. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a good game. Um, on paper, it sounds like the, the first team you mentioned uh, might have a little bit of an edge. But as we know, football's not played on paper. So who knows? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, let's yeah, go Let's we'll go into uh, Gridiron West, uh, Mark. So we got week week uh, two weeks in into the Gridiron West. Uh, these West Coast Wolverines are starting to rev. They are outscoring everybody. I think eighty six to twenty six this weekend. The, the Saints put up twenty six points. So uh, looking really good for West Coast right now. Within two weeks in what in Gridiron West. Right. That's right. Uh, you know, coming out of the blocks, uh, they they they've got two wins. Uh, they're outscoring. You know, the two teams that were in the finals last year, the Rockingham Vipers and the Perth Broncos. So, um, so far, so good for the Wolverines. Um, um, yeah, they're definitely off to a, a strong start. Um, they beat the Curtin University Saints 40-26. to 26. So, that's a nice big number, 40. Um, and they scored 44 points in their first uh, game against Swan City Titans. Um, there was a forfeit in the first week. Uh, the Rockingham Vipers um, took a forfeit from the Claremont Jets. And apparently in Gridiron West, when there's a forfeit, the winner is awarded only seven points. Uh, so, you know, you got to kind of um, take that into consideration when you think about the relative, when, when you think about the, uh, you know, points for and um you know you know if that game had been played you know you might have expected the the vipers to have put more than 7 points up on the jets but it it is what it is um that said uh the reigning champs the vipers are also with that forfeit sitting at at 2 and 0 so the wolverines and the vipers both at 2 and 0 um and it's uh it's been a good start been a good start in gridiron west and uh broncos uh also from perth uh 52 to zero route of hills valkyries those valkyries uh, last week played pretty decent but not nothing compared to this team so uh week three we got 
Perth Broncos taking on Swan City. Swan City looking for that rebound win. Perth looking to go 2-0 and on the season. Um, and then we'll keep up to date on the other two matchups that are coming up, and, to, and we'll update those as we get them on, at the hub. So thanks to everybody out there in Gridiron West that helps us out with networking and give us the feedback and also updates and still photos. Really, really appreciate everybody up there as well. Um, Terry, in the Netherlands, uh, Rottenham 59-0 takes down the Wolverines. So uh, pretty good win for them after almost two weeks off because of forfeits from other teams. So they, they obviously get a big win, uh, 59-0 against Wolverines. Wolverines continue to struggle in terms of putting up points. Mm. Yep. I mean, 59 to zero, there's not much to take away from that <laughs> because one team played awesome and other, other team has a lot of work to do, but, um, you know, unless there's a lot of injuries or a coach missing or something, it's not a good look, but I mean, bravo to the team that won 59 to nothing. Cause it's a lot of scoring a lot of points. And regardless of how bad a team is bad. in my, in my opinion, it's hard to have a shutout. You know what I mean? To sure. not let the other team score at all for the whole game is is easier said than done. So it's impressive. And we talked about last week about uh, how Queensland's having uh, Queens Football League's having issues with restrictions and guidelines, and obviously for um, rostering issues as well with certain teams. So uh, we will see what Week Eight looks like, and if there's any forfeits. Um, Endo Haven will be taking on Amsterdam, uh, Mark. So that's a pretty interesting matchup there. Um, let me look at my notes here. From the scope of things, I think uh, Endo Haven is uh, one and two on the season. And then you have, uh, I believe, Amsterdam is coming off of a uh, 2-0. So they're undefeated, including a, a forfeit victory. So 2-0 Amsterdam taking on two and uh, one and two uh, Endo Haven. The Hague uh, have been off, I think, since the forfeit in week three that's been since like September so they should be ready to rock and then Zoe the Blue Jays as well forfeited back uh, a while back which is on week six October 16th so two teams that have not played in almost three weeks so I don't know what they're going to look like uh, yeah um, it, it gets tough you know with a couple of games that were you know allegedly you know postponed uh, it doesn't look like to me that that they're going to be able to play these games, um, uh, make them up. But uh, who knows? Uh, we'll just have to see what happens. There's there's only one free week in between the end of the regular season and the the Queens Bowl, so um, maybe maybe those games will get played if there's you know p- playoff implications um, attached to them. But if if there if there aren't, then they probably won't get played but as you as you say yeah i mean a couple of teams it's been weeks weeks since they played uh, sp- uh specifically the hague scorpions um but um you know we're, we're definitely we're we're just past the mid-season and the cream is kind of rising to the top the rotterdam ravens um have three wins uh the amsterdam cats although they only have uh two wins on the on the board, and one of them is a forfeit. Uh, the one game they did play and get got that win was against the Rotterdam Ravens. So it, w- it would seem that Rotterdam and Amsterdam uh, are kind of the 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 two teams that are are looking 
like they might be advancing to the Queen's Bowl. But as you say, Eindhoven is kind of still in it right now. Um, there's still quite a few games to be played. Depending on things like forfeits, uh, postponements, and uh, all these restrictions and stuff, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see how that impacts certainly these teams that are in the middle of the pack, like uh, the Eindhoven Valkyries and the Hague Scorpions. So we have a Rottenham uh, victory right there at the hub. You guys can get to look at it there. We also have coverage from Gridiron West uh, from the Broncos against the Hills Valkyries as well. We have coverage pretty much everywhere from La Uh I want to give a shout-out to Zona Del Gol out there in Mexico, uh, Yarda 20, who's helping us out as well, Blitz Football Video up in down south in Mexico. Thank you for networking with us. They, they're doing a fantastic job doing live feeds for Facebook as well. So they're keeping up, and they're doing highlights weekly in terms of the top players in La Fai. So thank you for them to doing that part and celebrating women's American football in Mexico. So uh, LaFay, uh, Mark, start off pretty hot here. Division one, uh, week one, the Raiders uh, get the big win against the Lobos. And then it was the Maya Puebla's 18-0 against Mexico's. The Titanic, the Quateros Titanus 7-6 against Fumita, which was a big fight. And division two, Panteras, 14-6 against Dragons. Uh, Maya uh, White. Lose 32 to 6 against Halcones, Texcoto. And in week two, the Mexicas uh, ended up rebounding 20 to 6 against the Lobos. Uh, Titans continue their streak at 28 to 14 against the Raiders. Uh, Maya Sewell, uh, they get the forfeit win against Pumidas. Dragones Rojos, 31 to 6. They end up rebounding after that week to uh, week uh, one loss. 31 to 6 against Maya's Pueblos. Uh, Maya's Blancos, 33 0 against Panteras Negras. So coming into this week, it was really interesting weekend because uh, you had the Pumudas who had forfeited one game and on, on a victory or another, they ended up winning 34-0 against Mexico. So obviously coaching and everything else, they're like, okay, we got we to start playing our game here because it's already three weeks into the season. They certainly do not want to fall apart. Uh, you can get the, the live feed right there by Zona, uh, Zona del Gol, uh, courtesy of Zona del Gol. But uh, Pumudas rebound. And so, obviously, that's a good sign for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if they had dropped that game, you know, it just pretty much might have been over for them. So, that was a big win. It put them at 2-1. and one. Um, So, they're, you know, they're just uh, one game uh, behind uh, the Titanis and Maya Azul in the win column. So, that's, that put them in a very good position. Uh, heading into the rest of the season. Now, Titanes, uh, uh, Mark, they have been really good so far through three weeks, um, looking very impressive so far offensively. So it uh, did not surprise us that they obviously uh, get that shutout 26-0 to against uh, the Toluca Wolves. Uh, yeah, you know, they, they've got three wins on the field. They put up 61 points altogether. Um, you know, so they're averaging, you know, 20 something points a game. Um, and, uh, looking pretty good, uh, in their first game and that it was a, just a one point victory over the Pumidas, uh, maybe gave them kind of a kick in the butt. Um, and they've been strong since, and, you know, the, the rest of their, um, schedule looks pretty good. Um, they're going to see the, the Mexicas, 
uh, uh, next week. Um, and then in the final week of the regular season, they'll be facing the other team that right now is 3-0, and uh, the Mayas Azul. So um, the, the Titan is definitely a team to watch uh, through this, the rest of the season here. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, you guys can get to watch the live feed right there at the Hub as well, courtesy of the uh, Titanes uh, Um It's going to be right there live as well. Uh, Raiders fall, Mark, 20-0 against Maya Sewell. Uh, pretty good game for Maya Sewell to rebound here as well. So they, they, they've gone with, uh, let me see here, Asul on the season. So we got, are they 2-1 and one or 1-2? One and two? I believe they're winning. I think they're one and two. Uh, if I'm, if I'm uh, Maya Sassoul Ma- is three and zero oh, uh, with a forfeit win. Oh, you are correct. Yes, with the forfeit. So there we are. So that's going to be an interesting to see if they uh, if they ever uh, if they get down the stretch here to uh, face uh, the Titanes down the road here. Uh, Puebla, Maya Puebla, and Maya Blanco um, uh, face off against each other there. Halcones twelve to zero against Dragones. So it's going to be an interesting week four in terms of the LaFay uh, season right there, Division One and Division Two. We also have uh, LaFay uh, Durango uh, over the, uh, also in the mix. So we, we have that coverage from week four in LaFay Durango. And then we have Lexfa coverage as well from Mexico in terms of, I believe, week two highlights. So you guys can check it out right there at the hub at facebook.com for slash square and beauties or you can go directly to Lexfa Arena Football Mexico. You can get pretty much all the updates right there. Um, you can also go to arenafootball.com dot mex. Uh, Terry, uh, pretty pretty season happening and evolving in, in uh, Mexico. We're going to be there pretty much for the next three months, so pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that their season spans from the months that, that it does, but it's awesome for us because I think all of us agree that football is awesome, and so having it, having having football year round to cover outside of the NFL and college football here in the states is just awesome. You know, to have other football to keep track of and root for. Yeah, so you know, me and Mark are pretty uh, enthusiastic and uh, awesome to have uh, international competition that we can just uh, talk about and actually uh, you know watch and things like that. So. Lexfa Mark uh, does a pretty good job of uploading still photos and videos, and so we got to give them a shout out for them always doing their part in terms of up- updating everything weekly. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, they do. Um, their uh, Facebook page is kind of a landslide of, of photographs uh, uh, from games and stuff, and um, you, you really have to spend a lot of time time on there to take it all in. So. Uh, they're definitely on top of of their game, no pun intended. Um, so, but uh, excited season underway um, in Lexfa. Um, and then these, you know, these uh, arena games are like kind of wild. You see some uh, some pretty wild looking scores. Yeah, there's some there's some real competitive ones, and then we have the real lopsided ones too as well. So it depends on the week, but we do get that both of them. Just no different than. The WFA and WNFC, pretty much at this point. Just yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's, it's not that's eleven. What I was thinking. It's, it's eight. Yeah. 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 Um, Lafay. I will just have to mention Lafay Division One and, and Division Two are eleventh. 
So it is played in 11s, while everybody else is in Mexico is still playing uh, eights. So that's uh, every other league is still playing eights besides LaFi. LaFi is the only one that plays 11s so far. Yep, so a good thing, good thing to know. It's, it, is, uh, it is robust football that's happening down there uh, in LaFi. All right, um, FX Mexico, we will update you uh, this coming week. Uh, it's going to start off on the 17th for Norte, and then FX Mexico Central will start on October 24th, which is uh, this past weekend. We'll get all the updates from the last two weeks uh, crunched in. Uh, we're incorporating ourselves and networking with the Cer Cuarto, Yarda 20, uh, Zona del Gol, Black Video, uh, uh, Black, I mean, uh, Blitz Football Video. So we got a couple network partners that we're working with in Mexico. Um, so check it out. I'm going to just give you my shout-out in Spanish. Uh, gracias a todos en, la, en las ligas de Lexpa, La Fai y en FX Mexico. Vamos a estar cubriendo exclusivamente sus ligas semana a semana aquí en el Blitz con este Mark Simone y el coach Terry Lister. So vengan cada semana. Si no, vayan a, a la página de Facebook de nuestro uh, canal que viene siendo uh, Great Iron Beauties en uh, Facebook. So, gracias por uh, estar escuchándonos y gracias por ir a las páginas de nosotros. Apreciar. Gracias. All right. So, a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking uh, fanfare that I got messages on. So, uh, a couple of them said, hey, give us a shout-out in Spanish, and there it is. There's your shout-out in Spanish. <laughs> there it is. Love it. All right. Um, it's also in Spain. So, uh, if I haven't said it, in Spain, gracias para todos en, en España por estar este, atentos uh, en, nuestra, uh, en nuestro radio también. Y estamos atentos en la Liga de eh, FEPA también. Gracias. So uh, we cover uh, everything in terms of the international. I got I to start learning Russian. I think that's the only thing I haven't mentioned because I think we, we're, we're reaching Europe. And most of, the, most of the European countries are basically English and uh, challenged me to kind of do a – to try to learn Finnish and Swedish since we're covering both leagues. So I'm going to try to see if I can get some <laughs> Google Translate, you know, to try to work out the script or something that I could – probably going to sound very silly, but you never – Yeah, I, like, I, don't, I don't envy you, Oscar, because I, I have my hands full just trying to do English correctly. So <laughs> I did major in French at one point, but that's that's like 20-something years ago, so it's not – I'm not happy right. to say the we. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so it's really cool. So uh, awesome! We're going to be in Mexico for a little bit, so that's a pretty cool. Um, and uh, in the season in Queensland's going to finish up. Queen, I mean Queensland in Queens Football League's going to finish up as well. Uh, Austria, uh, Mark, the uh, the Vienna Vikings continue to roll even in this short season, eight week season. They're undefeated. Uh, so we got the Telf Patriots and the Salzburg uh, Ducks. But uh, they get the win, 44 to six, this weekend, uh, and, and no doubt there, they're they're the best team in Europe in terms of the men's side as well, the junior side, and now obviously the best the, the best team in Austria in terms of the women's game. Yeah, the uh, the writing's pretty much on the wall here. Um, you know, um, the Telf Patriots ladies are uh, not they're they don't have a win, so they're they're not uh, competitive. In, comparatively um and um you know the vikings have um a win over the salzburg ducks it was a close one uh back on october 17th 14 to 12 um 
But um, as it is, the Vikings are uh, undefeated 3-0. There's only a couple weeks left here. Um, so we'll, we'll see the Salzburg Ducks and the Tels Patriots uh, play this weekend. And then finally, it will be the rematch um, of the, uh, the Vikings and the Ducks on November 7th heading into the championship on November Shelby, 14th. Keep an, eye, keep an eye on tap on that. So congratulations to them. Uh, they've been playing pretty good ball. They're almost like Berno pretty dominant organization in terms of the Austrian women's uh, league for a long, long time. And they've been the dominant team for very, very, uh, very long. So shout out to the Vienna Vikings. Shout out to uh, Kiki out there that keeps me uh, uh, in the know in, uh, in Austria. Really appreciate her support and her networking and everything else. I really, really appreciate it. Keeps us all up to date on what's happening in the, the scene in Austria. All right, uh, Terry, uh, Anything else we need to mention here? Uh, we're going to be obviously coming week to week here, uh, getting ready for Gridiron West the next week here, and then obviously LaFay and everything in Mexico coming up. So pretty exciting weekend coming up here next week. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the only thing that I would add before we move on to our next segment is um, a couple, like, newbie questions came to mind when you guys were talking earlier. And I know that Mark is, is much – um, he's very well versed when it comes to international, so thank God that he's back. Because uh, <laughs> you know, I was I was a, a substandard stand-in for him while he's gone. But um, what I was thinking of is first of first of all, I know you t- you go over multiple leagues, probably six or seven leagues you, you cover that are international. But in those leagues, I know we've already talked about some of them are you know eleven v eleven, nine v nine, eight v eight. But what I wonder is how many teams are in each league, first of all, so we kind of know, like, how many teams are in, are in the league as opposed to how many teams make the playoffs. And then second, I'm curious about how far the distance. You know, I've only coached in the United States, so I know when I've coached teams, there's been games that were an hour away. There's been games that are eight hours away, you know, 12 hours so I'm just kind of curious what kind of travel they have to deal with compared to us. Well, those are great questions, Terry. Um, I definitely, um, you know, I think it throw it kind of does kind of throw us off um, and not really uh, maybe not having a nuanced understanding of how far things are away in Europe. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That's fair. But, um, you know, I, I certainly think a lot of the teams face many of the same challenges that, that we do in the United States with with travel. Um, yeah. You know, um, if we were talking about um, um, in the in the Czech League, like Warsaw, is in, that's in Poland, right? And mm-hmm. so they have to travel from Warsaw, uh, like, over to Prague. I think that's a pretty long trip, um, you know. So I, I think that might be, like, you know, like a nine hour drive or something like that. So, um, you know, and then of course you've got two teams that are in Prague. So, you know, you're just basically crossing town to go play another team. So I I think, you know, know, in a way it's probably, you know, a lot of the challenges and experiences are, are, are kind of similar, um, uh, with these teams. Yeah. You you say it's fair to, 
fair to assume for the most part it's probably pretty comparable to what the U.S. teams do. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, Unlike what we have um, in the United States, though, is, you know, we have teams that are leagues that are pretty large, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The WNMC had 20 teams this year, and there's, there's no team, you know, in anywhere else in the world that has 20 teams, right? And the WFA has, like, almost 60 teams, around 60. So yeah. so yeah. those are things that are not happening um, in other, other places. places. It, it is a little bit more regionalized, right, because the countries are geographically smaller with the exception of, of Russia. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, um, so, so there's that. So, you know, I think probably ske- things like scheduling are a little bit easier because, you know, um, many of these leagues have, you know, um, you know, between three and, you know, nine, ten teams. So mm-hmm. that's a lot more manageable, um, a lot less complicated to put a schedule together um, when you have um, leagues of that size. Yeah, and that makes sense. It makes sense for two reasons. One, if those if those countries are way smaller than the United States, you're literally just dealing with less people. So what? You know, how how would you have the same amount or more or comparable teams with less um, population? And secondly, as we all know, football is very popular in the United States and not so much in, in other places. So, um, you know, like soccer is kind of more universal for people as far as people playing it in different countries. And um, so I, I'm a huge fan of football, um, and hopefully the rest of the world becomes fans of football in the future. But as it stands right now, uh, football is super popular in the U.S., and so that makes sense for there to be more, you know, the bigger draw for teams here. Yeah, I, I agree, but um, I definitely feel like, um, you know, the American-style football is, is growing very fast. Um, you know, just in this international section, you know, yeah. um, they, these are a lot – These are and these are women's teams, and mm-hmm. – you know, most of them have, you know, they're paired up with a men's team as well and a youth yeah. team, right? So, you know, a lot of the time when we talk, we're talking about a woman's team, you know, there's mm-hmm. also a, a men's team in, in that organization and a youth team. So you're talking about three deep teams, and it's actually a bigger organization than what we have in the United States. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have too many um, programs that have a men's team and a women's team paired up. There have been a few in the history of, of, of the game, game here that, as, as I know it, but that's definitely not the, uh, the, the typical way of doing things here in the United States, but that's very typical of how they do it in Europe. Yeah. And they also do that's it in Mexico, here. too. Mexico also has university pairings, so where you have you know, a, a scale team, which you have peewee all the way up to a certain amount of scale, and then you had the women's team with certain universities. So that's pretty imp- – that's how it, it gets incorporated as one whole uh, program, basically. So it's really awesome. Um, Terry, uh, just to give you a scope of what we talked about, what me and Mark cover, so if you go geographically, South America mm-hmm. uh, is, is very sprinkled in terms of um, – Brazil, Brazil being one of the key, key uh, leagues there. Then you go into mm-hmm. Central America, which is Honduras, uh, 
in that sense. And you also go into uh, up to Mexico, Mexico being probably the largest leagues uh, right next to the U.S. Uh, and then mm-hmm. right above us, it would be Canada with two two top leagues and looking for a third league in central Canada. And then mm-hmm. if we, as we venture out to the Australia, we have basically almost four to five leagues, one in Victoria and Queensland, uh, New South Wales, uh, the West. And then you also uh, venture out over to um, Europe as being the most dominant, which is Germany to begin with. And then you have to go into uh, Sweden and Finland, which is the most uh, probably the best programs in terms of the Europe scene. And then you would have to go UK and uh, you would have to go Austria and Czech Republic and then Italy coming in strong, probably uh, in that sense. But there is, there is a lot of opportunity in terms of the women being supported by, to uh, Mark's point, overseas where they're incorporated mm-hmm. with certain, certain teams. Uh, Germany being equivalent to the WFA in terms of the number of teams that are that's played in Europe would be the equivalent of that. Everybody else in Europe is in that uh, probably that trajectory where where the WNFC would be, like 20 to 40 teams mm-hmm. or 20 to 30 teams. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, the love for the sport has completely grown because of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of interested uh, women that are very interested in playing the sport and they have a passion for it. So, I mean, you would never think, like, right, Mark, you would never think uh, women's football would have blown up in the U.K. like it has in the last couple of years, so. Right, and, um, yeah, no, that that's really great. And, you know, I think the NFL has a lot to do with that by, you know, one of the things mm-hmm. they do is to post a game over there uh, a couple games a year. Um, that's been going yeah, on sure. for a while now. And that game's mm-hmm. been, um, you know, definitely growing there in um, in the U.K., and you're right about Germany. Germany actually has quite a few teams um, uh, in a very, very robust league with a long history, um, almost as long, I think, as in the United States in terms of, like, the modern era. I think they started with uh, having football teams around 2000, around the same time of um, the current um, era that we're here in the United States. Wow. That's interesting. I appreciate the uh, the history lesson. <laughs> I, I'm you're well welcome. Versed, yeah, in, in, in international like you guys are, but I respect that a lot. I was going to tell Oscar in um, previous podcasts that I think he has a great job of of having kind of a comprehensive uh, coverage of women's football, and so kudos to you. But also, Mark, you were sorely missed the few weeks you were out, and so it's good to have you back. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I I think you filled in quite admirably. And you brought in your perspective as as a football coach, um, yeah. also to um, to the broadcast, and um, and I definitely appreciated uh, listening to um, your perspective over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But it's great to be back. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's been great to have insights from different perspectives because you know some of us haven't played or some of us have played and others have not played but have coached. So it's kind of nice to have that feedback. Kind of like when we bring in uh, all the athletes in here or all the, uh, you know, the, the owners and the pioneers give us a perspective on the game and give us a, a different view. Um, the goal, the goal of our podcast is really to be, to entertain number one. So we're trying to entertain every facet of, of football, which would be college, uh, the NFL being the staple and uh, in our main 
uh, main focus in networking, obviously, is women's tackle football. So we really want to incorporate that on every podcast so that the average NFL fan that comes in for that obviously understands that we also cover women's uh, tackle football, and hopefully they get drawn into that as well. So it's pretty interesting to see that. Uh, Terry, okay, we're going to move on to the NFL. So, um, Mark, if you want to hang out, it's up to you. If not, uh, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I'll be stepping off. i got to tuck my kids into bed. Uh, have a great night. Um, hey, people, go to the hub. Get information. Follow the games. Go to the hub. Peace. All right. Thanks, Mark. Mark. Appreciate it. All right, Terry, there you go. So uh, if you don't know yet, uh, go to the hub, Terry. Did you hear that? <laughs> I think I might have caught wind of that once or twice. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Terry, this is pretty awesome. Uh, so we'll go, we'll go into detail here. Uh, before we go into the NFL talk and we'll get into week mm-hmm. seven recap here, I just want to make sure everybody understands, uh, if you go to our podcast, subscribe on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify – and hopefully you've already subscribed. Tell your friends about it and let, and let, let them know. Uh, we're obviously powered by MonkeyKnife5.com. So go to MonkeyKnife5, get your $5 free play up to a $100 match. You can play NBA, NFL, PGA, UFC, a lot of sports and formats you can play there. So easy props, no sharks, just go right there. And if you're inclined and you are you got a good intuition, you can make a, co- a couple quick bucks. So uh, go to MonkeyKnife5.com, use the code N. JF. Don't forget our podcast. Uh, last two months, Terry, kicking ass in the house. We had uh, Shante Bonds, Stephanie Pasco from Boston. That was back in 3 mm-hmm. 3 with the Nevada Storm, Sarah Congenulo, and uh, Coach Chris Garza, including uh, Ray McMillan of the Derby City um, Dynamite. We also uh-huh. had the talented Grace Cooper of the Vixen, 384. We had Angelita Furman of the Derby City as well in 385 um, and 384. And we had the the talented duo of Dina and Amanda Hillman of the champion Texas Elite Spartans as well. We also had 386 Dion Lee, Coach Dion Lee and Kerry uh, Walters of the Las Vegas Silver Stars. 387, mm-hmm. we had Megan Lewis, who you know, and Gina Magana of the uh, Utah Falcons. 388. We had the uh, talented uh, Tori Petri of the Detroit Lions. Uh, and then we also had Taylor Hay, Kansas City Glory, and St. Louis Slam, 389. Plus Kelly Smith, 390 in the house. And then we also had Olivia Griswold in the last couple podcasts. So check it out. Subscribe on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. Thanks, everybody, for doing that. Really appreciate it. All right, Terry, let's uh, get off the plugs and go into the NFL Week 7 here. <laughs> And let's uh-huh. rock in with Holly's take first before we get talking. Okay. Here are the most interesting results from the NFL last week. Titans 27, Chiefs 3. We knew this would be an interesting matchup, but it's official. The Chiefs are in trouble. Their defense seems to be getting worse as the season progresses. They tried to load the box against Derrick Henry, but they were not able to cover the Titans receivers in man coverage. A.J. Brown killed him with 133 receiving yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, the Chiefs' offense really struggled as well. It seems like the proving team's right by their strategy of trying to make them play out long drives and not giving up big plays. The Chiefs really don't have the patience to go the length of the field to score. 
so they pushed the ball and turn it over. Mahomes had a terrible day, ended up with a pick, a fumble, four sacks, and a QBR rating of just six. He also got banged up and had to come out. They will not be able to solve their defense overnight, but offensively they need to run the ball if they want to right the ship. Run the ball and get Kelsey involved off of that. Then add the flash later. Bengals 41, Ravens 17. Okay, I think we can say the Bengals are arriving now. This was an impressive win. The Bengals' defense is legit. They're fifth in the league in points allowed. This is exactly what you need for a young quarterback. Meanwhile, Chase is a stud at receiver. It helps that he already had chemistry with Burrow, but Chase is making a case for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Colts at 49ers. My poor 49ers are dead in the water right now. This game was extremely rainy, but you kind of wonder if it would have been still this ugly, even if it was, even if it was a dry game. The Niners essentially had one good drive to start the game, and the rest of the game was just ugly. The secondary continues to have issues with pass interference and leads the league in this category. The worst part is they always seem to be on third and fourth and long. The Colts scored three times off of drives that involved such a play. Meanwhile, Jimmy turned the ball over all over the place. They ran the ball well early but went away from it for some reason. The special teams have also been a disaster this year. Kyle Shanahan's seat is getting a little warmer. The fan base is very frustrated, and now the national media is starting to pick that up. His best move is to start trade to buy him some time, but he did make the announcement earlier this week that he's going to stick with Jimmy at least for next week. Stay tuned for details. Terry, if you're a, if you're a Niner fan, man, are you <laughs> like looking at this coach and going, what can you not do right? <laughs> it's like... Wow. So here's my take on that, because, you know, um, Oscar, it's 2021. So everybody's got an opinion and they're able to post those on Twitter and social media and, you know, hashtag fire Kyle, blah, 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 blah. So my answer is yes and no. My answer is yes, um, that he does he does um, warrant some criticism, but I also say no, because people are so reactive to things, Um, you know, just super critical. Uh, When, when teams lose, people are quick to, to uh, blame the coach and or quarterback. And so since the Niners have been losing, he's, he, you know, he's getting the, the brunt of the criticism. So I think people need to have a little bit more perspective and not be as reactive. I know it's never going to happen, so I'm kind of wasting my breath. But you have to look at the big picture, right? The big picture is is that Kyle Shanahan has been a very successful coach for the 49ers. Um, it wasn't that long ago that they had a lot of success. They had that dominant defense a couple years ago. And, um, you know, he's just he's done a good job. So I think to kind of throw, throw him to the wolves just because this season hasn't went well. Terry, um, are we overlooking just, as fans? The, uh, the the toll of injuries? Because as fans, we just Absolutely. look at that and, now, well, game day, no big deal, right? But as a coach, Absolutely. right? You're a coach, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't understand exactly. the, the day-to-day, the week-to-week, how you're going to piece something together to make a competitive team yeah. to be put on the field, right? That's the thing that exactly. I think that most average fans don't realize. They're going by the end result, <laughs> right, to your point. Okay, it's a crappy yeah. outing. Uh, they're going by, okay, he fumbled. He didn't do this right, didn't do that right, right? And then at, at the end of the day, 
as a fan, you're not looking at, okay, my God, the, the whole line has been shifted and that there's nobody normal there to, to be yeah. consistent with. <laughs> right? Well, this I remember last, last Exactly. Last season, I remember I thought that the 49ers and the Broncos had, like, the worst injury luck in the NFL. They just had crazy mm-hmm. bad luck with injuries. This season hasn't been that bad, but that was, like, really bad, right? So it's, like, you know, all perspective. But they have had some injuries this year, um, specifically at running back. And so, luckily for them, Elijah Mitchell is a good player at running back, even though I think they got him in the sixth round. So, but, yeah, to your point, people are reactive. They only see wins and losses. And so, when you have consecutive losses, especially two or three losses in a row, um, people are going to be very reactive, and they're just going to want change. So whether that change comes at, at for a coach or a quarterback, people want to see it sooner than later. And what's what people don't see is what happens behind the scenes and how hard hard it is to make a game plan and execute a game plan against the NFL team. You know, week to week, when you're not, we don't have all your players. So whether that's missing arguably the best tight end in football and George Kittle or not having a, a dual-threat quarterback like, the, you know, the rookie, Trey Lance. What do you mean, Coach? You know, there was no Kittle that day? What? Yeah. What do you mean? Where was yeah, he? He's been, out, he's been out for a few weeks now. So <laughs> those things are a big deal. You know what I mean? Like not having Kittle, yeah. he's not only really, really good receiver, and, and he's awesome after the catch, but he's also – the best blocking tight end in the league, in my opinion. So, you know, those things. And matter. you're missing Mozart. So, you're missing a run game with Mozart, which is pretty potential. Yep. And you saw the, you saw the potential with Mitchell, right? With the, with the, the start right there. I, I think yeah. the, the fans were really questioning his play calling. I don't think they're really questioning whether he's a good coach. I think they're starting mm. to question the fact that he's got to make a decision here, right? He's got to make a decision yeah. about, do you go with Lance? and make this just a, a bad season in itself, you know, because I think the fans are going to accept one or the other. I, I yeah. feel like they've already given up on Jimmy G mentality. You know what I mean? They just, they, mm-hmm. Jimmy G's done. All right? Yeah. So now it's like, do you, do you give the kid the reins and just, you know, ride with it, whether it's going to be wins or losses, and, and basically take, take this year as a kind of an off training mentality for the kid? Uh, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. I mean, you're going into Chicago, Coach – uh, what do you think here is going to happen? Is Fields going to take – if Fields has a great game against these Niners, against Jimmy G, experienced quarterback, but yeah. it's two bad teams. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be an interesting game because um, it is two teams that aren't playing very well, uh, two teams that have fans clamoring for their coaches to be fired, um, and two teams that have inconsistent quarterback play. So I, I would say that – for Chicago, I think it's it's the coaching thing. I think they're mis, they're mismanaging their quarterbacks. Um, and for and for the Forty ers I'm not as convinced of that. I think that it does kind of make sense to you know let Trey Lance play and kind of see what you have with him because Jimmy G's probably not the future. Um, but at the same time, you know you don't want to throw away your season you know in week seven or week eight because uh, it's still kind of early. So I see both points. But the last thing I want to say about Shanahan is, you know, he made the decision to start Jimmy G this, this week against the Bears. But for all we know, Trey Lance isn't ready to play physically, right? So if he's not ready to play Agreed. physically because he banged, banged up his knee, 
then it's a responsible decision to play Jimmy G because Jimmy yep. G's not a bum, right? He's 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 had a, a little bit of success in the NFL, so it's like, sure. you know, that could be that, that simple. Like you're playing him because the other guy isn't healthy or, or he's not healthy enough that you feel good. I mean, think about the Bears. You know, front seven, those guys are monsters. You know what I'm saying? Like you yep. want those guys coming after Trey Lance when his his knee is 100. percent That's that's not smart. You know what I mean, so yeah, I think of it that way too. All right. So if you're Niner country, as Holly alluded there, and her uh, obviously she's yeah. in pain because <laughs> her yeah. team's not going not going very well, yeah. and and it looks like they're going to be in the cellar. If Chicago wins, Terry Lister, <laughs> uh, Niner country is going to be very not happy with this coach. <laughs> Depending oh, on how ugly is the win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is, this is, yeah. It might be chopping block time, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Because even if he falls in Chicago and they don't rebound in the next week or two after that, uh, uh, we could, you know, we could see some changes. You never know. Because the NFL is that cutthroat, right? Start, success is, is very short and forgettable. Yeah, they, That's what it is. <laughs> they, they say the NFL stands for not for long. But, uh, not yeah, for long, know, yeah. I mean, I think that the Niners have a better pedigree than the, the Bears. And that, that pains me to say that because one of my best friends is a Bears fan. Shout out to Chip. Um, but, yeah, I just think even though the Niners are a little bit banged up and they have not great quarterback play right now, I think they're, they are better coached and they're just a better team. Um, so I think that, unfortunately, and I, I like Justin Fields. He's from Ohio State, so I'm rooting for him. But he's kind of a victim of his own coaching. So I think it's going to be a long day for him. Um, Coach even though Nagy sucks. Let's just call it out there. Yeah. Coach Nagy yeah. sucks. All right. How many? How much quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks are you going to give him before he <laughs> turns things yeah. around? I mean, come on. The right, the right and I think everybody world. in yeah. Town probably agrees with me right now. And I'm not saying that they to do. be rude. I'm just saying it's factual. You know what I mean? You got to have it is. something. You know? It's very it's crazy. Um, let's go. Let's go to Thursday. Let's recap Thursday, Sunday night, and Monday night. So let's start with Thursday, mm-hmm. which apparently. Nobody missed Baker Mayfield because uh, my former Ram Case Keenum uh, came uh-huh. into play. Third string back Jackson led the Browns past the Broncos. And so uh, there you go. So I guess the the Browns delivered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was very happy to see it. I mean, obviously the Broncos aren't, you know, world beaters this year. But at the same time, you know, we did have a lot of backups playing. You know, we had Case Keenum at quarterback, um, Dearness Johnson, was playing. He's our third third running back. Um, Odell Beckham got banged up. Jarvis got banged up. You know, there's um, just different stuff. We weren't. We definitely weren't at, at full health for sure. So for us to be able to get that gritty win um, on Thursday night with a short week, stuff like that, just it's really really encouraging. And so I think what Case Keenum showed is that he still does have it as far as being a, a competent game manager in the NFL. And what does exactly what the Browns need because we can play good defense and run the ball. So it's pretty encouraging. I don't think Case Keenum has Baker's arm, but he does have more experience. And so as far as those little nuances, like getting rid of the ball fast to negate rushes um, and just making smart passes and not having a great game for fantasy owners, but having a good enough game to win games, um, I think Case Keenum can do that. So I'm completely fine if he, play, if he starts this week against Pittsburgh. It should be a good matchup here. Um, the Saints go into the big house over in the Northwest, and if you're a Seahawks fan like Nate, which will probably 
he'll probably start ranting as soon as he gets in here. But yeah. Seahawks, man, you're 0-3 at home. You're 2-5, and and you lose by three. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough game to watch, man. It was kind of like, um, you know, Penn State and Illinois. It's like which which team or, or which, which offense was going to, you know, score enough points to win the damn game. Um, so pretty, pretty pedestrian, <laughs> uh, offensive performance. Welcome by back, both teams. Uh, Alvin Kamara. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Welcome back, Alvin um, Kamara, basically. Yeah. If, if the Saints don't have Alvin, Alvin Kamara, the Seahawks have to win the game. But, you know, I'm sure our boy Nate will get on here and rant, which he, he, he should, he rightfully should do. But I think if the Saints don't have Kamara, they lose the game. Saints defense played really well, but they played against Geno Smith. And, um, you know, it's crazy, man. It's crazy how important that quarterback position is in football. It literally can make or break you. Not oh, like yeah, you, for you sure. Know, your, your season can go one way or the other, but also when it comes to those close games, we're either going to lose or win barely. Um, that quarterback is a really big factor. So, unfortunately, I don't think Geno Smith's the answer, Oscar. No, I and I don't think Nate believes in that either. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely He's on the same train as you. All right, yeah. uh, let's go into a couple key games here. Packers defeat Washington twenty-four to ten for their sixth straight victory. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, off-season stuff that came up before the season started, not an issue here. And Green Bay's defense is really, really good in the red zone so far. So they get the twenty-four to ten win against uh, the Washington football team. The Chiefs, Terry, Titans start mm-hmm. fast, and they simply dominate Mahomes. I mean, they, they, they have done pretty well the last two games. But, hey, all i got to say is when Derrick Henry gets to close to 100 yards, nine times out of mm-hmm. ten, these Titans win. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very interesting game. And I remember last week I felt bad because we did our podcast, and you asked me my opinion on some games, and there was multiple games where I was like, I can't freaking tell you. I I didn't know if the Browns are going to win. I didn't know if the Chiefs are going to beat the Titans or vice versa. Um, and there's another one. There's a third game that I couldn't call either. And I felt bad, you know, because the whole point is to kind of have a take. Um, but, yeah, that, that game was, like, surprising but not surprising. It was surprising because not, Titans not only won, but they did it dominantly. But it wasn't surprising because – my Browns played the Chiefs in week one. I actually went to that game. I drove to Kansas City and watched it in person. And I saw how beatable this Chiefs team is and how the, the Browns should have won that game. And if a couple things go differently, like Nick, Nick Chubb not fumbling or our punter not fumbling, we probably do win the game. So I knew from week one that they were beatable, but I wasn't sure how the season would go because, um, you know, they're, they're tough to beat. But now as, as times progress, we've seen – you know, how their their defense isn't really um, that good. And their offense, you know, is I, – I, I don't want to say people figured out Mahomes because that might be a stretch. You know what I mean? But the fact is – My thing with Kansas City, Terry, is that they, their balance attack is – they've gone away from a balance attack in terms of the run game. They have no identity in terms of backs. That's one yeah. problem. They're relying yep. on two key pieces in terms of the the Hill, who's somewhat injured. You got Kelsey, who's the other piece. People have already figured out 
if you just put man to man on those guys, there's no options there. And there's no yeah. supportive run game in terms of a stable run game. They got Bell. Bell hasn't seen a Bell, right? Yeah, Williams, nobody mm-hmm. showed up. Now you, you basically yeah. are putting this team on the quarterback's shoulders. There's no way that this guy is going to beat, you know, a complete team on the opposite side, which the Titans came to play. Tannehill, I think, yeah. over 270 yards. A.J. Brown, over 130 yards plus a touchdown. Uh, you had Derrick Henry almost at 100 yards. So the Titans literally mm-hmm. just shoved it down the the, the uh, Chiefs' D and then basically mm-hmm. made, you know, Mahomes one-dimensional, and you're not going to win games like that. And so the, here, there it is. You, you put up a field goal as your only scoring point. So if you look at the Chiefs, it's nil, literally like you said, there's no way Mahomes is going to win at all. So there's the problem. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the other side, which is a brighter side. These Patriots are three and four, one and four at home. They score a uh-huh. fifty burger on the Jets. Which, <laughs> okay, let's not get too excited here. It's the Jets, <laughs> but it is the division yeah. game. They step up. He puts up two touchdowns, right? So they go in there, and then on top of that, they take care of the Jets by uh, adding more misery to their season, taking out their quarterback. Yeah, I mean. Like you said, it's the Jets, but I will say putting out 50 points in the NFL is something. I mean, that's a lot of points, man. <clears throat> so even though it was the Jets, it's really impressive. I mean, the Patriots are, you know, two years removed from Tom Brady. The last season was a bad season for them. They kind of were just doing patchwork with guys sitting the season out because of COVID and having Cam Newton, at quarterback. And so their season kind of, you know, was what it was. But this season – I hate to say it, but it seems like they're one of those teams that could be on, on, you know, the bubble of the playoffs. And that's crazy to say, you know what I mean? It's crazy to say that they could put that back together that quickly, but it really looks like that's the case. And so doing things like dominating the Jets is what they usually do. And it seems like it's just back to the, back to, back to normalcy for them. So we'll see how, how, how it uh, does going forward. But, Three and four is not a horrible record. It's not great either. It's not above 500, but there's a lot of games left, and they can put a winning streak together. Who knows? They could slide into, you know, a little wild card playoff game, but we'll see. All right. Burrow, LSU connection, Chase, they lead the Bengals past the Ravens, 41-17. Chase caught Joe Burrow's uh, pass over the middle, avoided two players driving at him, and this guy, this guy was on fire that day. Uh, I had him on my fantasy. I had Burrow on my fantasy. Uh, I lost me down a couple good dollars for myself yeah, on FanDuel. You doubled it. So I really love that. Um, so Burrow, 416 yards. Hey, if you had him, if my buddy had Mahomes, and you could, you, you, he was griping and bitching the whole day because it was oh, over that. for him at the beginning. Yeah. So um, I had Chase <laughs> and Burrow as a combo, one-two, so that worked out good for me. Um, these, these Ravens, a coach, not a bad situation. Still, they're five and two, uh, but just yeah. they're just on a slide now. They're, they're you know they're starting to go into that mode. Uh, they're three and one at home. Uh, Bengals are now three and one away from home, so that's a pretty mm-hmm. good sign for a road team. Uh, five and yeah. two, both of these. The better team is here in Cincinnati. Is Cincinnati the better team in that north right now? So I've been waiting for this one, Oscar, because I'm I'm man enough to say when I'm wrong. 
and I am wrong, I was wrong about the Bengals. Um, mm-hmm. So I I told you. Remember when you asked me if the Packers were going to take care of business against the Bengals, and I said absolutely. The Bengals are pretenders. Packers will handle yep. them. Packers Packers won by a field goal. So. Yep, I've been kind of lying to myself for a while, and I think half of that's because I'm a Browns fan, so I don't, I don't really want the Bengals to be that good because I, I have my hands full with the Ravens. Um, but that game against the Ravens was a wake-up call for me to uh, join the world of reality and just keep it real with myself. Bengals are a really good team, and it's a three-way race in the North. So, yeah, like you said, both coach, those teams are 5-2. If you look at them, if you look at them that he has weapons, which he didn't yeah. have a year ago. He has options right. now, right? Even Mixon mm-hmm. at his at his worst still is, is a decent back. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. and then you put Void, you put Chase, right? You got he's got some weapons. Uh, Uzo, uh what's it kid? Uzuma, Uzuma is yeah, they're, coming they're in. like a George Kittle mentality for them, which a good you know and, and coming into his own. So we said what two weeks ago are the Bengals for real? They weren't real for real last uh, two weeks ago, but I think they're starting to be for real now. Yeah, well, they were for real the whole time. Uh, I was just, I was just delusional. So now I'm not delusional anymore, and I, I've, I've accepted reality. But yeah, they're both five and two. Browns are four and three, and the Browns play the Steelers next, so we have a chance to, to uh, you know, put the Steelers further behind to, to make sure it's a three. Race. I think Keenum. I think Keenum at the helm is going to be fine. Yeah. He's a he's an actual yeah, game I, manager. He doesn't agreed. create turnovers, right? He throws yep. the ball when he needs. He throws it away when he needs to. He's not yep. a like an he's elusive smart. type back. Um, he got he's got a pretty good arm. You know what I mean? So there's a lot yeah. of positives in, in terms of you know uh, if you're a Browns fan, it's it's kind of like mm-hmm. okay, no, we're good, right? We didn't really lose much. We're we're almost yeah, right not, there. There's not a huge exactly. Like Case Keenum is so you a quality get, backup in the NFL. The problem with the, so. I think the, the problem with the Browns is, you know, as soon as you get Hunt, and and if OBJ can get going here and Landry can get going here, I think uh, the Browns are are back to some sort of you know better state of football in terms of offense. Right now, yeah, uh, they're not that you know reliable on offense. So that's that's the problem, you know. And uh, hopefully, you know, Ke- like I said, Keenum's reliable. It's probably one of the better backups in the whole league if you want to, you know, yep. rate backups. Agreed. Yeah, Keenum had a history yeah. with Stefanski in Minnesota, so I think that's, that, mm-hmm. that played into why he, he he signed him. And thank God mm-hmm. he did because mm-hmm. having a, having a good backup is really valuable, especially at that position. And so we got to see that on Thursday, how that can be the difference of, you know, pulling out a gritty win with a banged up team. So pretty stoked about. All right. It. Um, Coach, I was worried through one half that these Lions uh-huh. were really going to pull it off. So that really yeah, put me in a heart been. attack mentality. We talked about, <laughs> and Mac even talked about, and said that this was probably a trap game, and it was almost turning into a trap game, kind of like when they played mm-hmm. Arizona. It was getting yeah. to that stage for me. So, um, you know, unfortunately, they did ride the ship in the second half. But in mm-hmm. the first half, man, it was like 16, 17, and I'm like, okay, not what I wanted to see. Man, yeah, that was interesting. I, I got to watch some of that. I was kind of in and out of the house that day, um, but it was it was interesting because not only were the Lions winning and playing really tough in the first half, but if but they were doing they were doing like extra stuff, right? Like they, I think they faked two punts, and they did something else that was kind of um, 
not expected. And so you could tell they were, they were down to pull out all the stops they could to beat the Rams and, and have a huge upset. And, I mean, to their credit, they pretty much did do that for three quarters. But as we know, four, football is four quarters long, and that's all the Rams needed to right the ship. So they didn't cover the spread, but all they right. got the win, which is all that matters. Yeah. Let's bring in um, the salty one in the house, uh, Mac in the house. Mac, how's it going? It's... What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Good, We're doing good, great, good. Mac. I, just talking week seven and all the excitement of week seven. Um, so let's let's uh, let's finish up week seven and then we'll go into some NFL mud stuff uh, as we get into it. Um, uh, Mac, at this point, Tom Brady. What a win, 600 career touchdown passes. They basically laugh at the Bears, if you want to call it that. So it took care of business, good to go. Uh, so, I mean, they're 6-1, and one, they're 4-0 at home. At this point, I think they're, you you got to say they're more of a shoe-in. If in, in the next two weeks, if they get two more wins here, they're pretty much a shoe-in for the playoffs. You know, the Bears really ruined it for me this weekend. Um, them fools were supposed to like do something spectacular and beat the Bucks. <laughs> Let it happen. It's fine, you know. Fine. Um, I'm a little salty with them, but I mean, what can you expect when you have Andy Dalton as your actual quarterback and Justin Fields as your backup QB two, QB one now? Um, so Are no, you no, nagging no, right now? Because uh, oh, pun yeah. intended. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, it's fine because, like, they have a lot of moving pieces or don't have a lot of returning moving pieces, I should say. Um, you know, and, and that just brings me to the, the, the next game that was supposed to be a freaking trap game, okay? Washington football team, who also irritated my life this weekend, was supposed to beat them idiots in northern Wisconsin, all them cheese balls up there. Drive me freaking insane. Um, you mean Aaron Rodgers? To be honest. Yeah, I, uh, we're not talking about discount and double check. We're talking about the fact that he should have lost, okay? Um, point being is that the Washington football team up until, like, the third quarter, midway through the third quarter, was giving them a game. And I was very surprised. I'm like, okay, this could actually, you know, like, this is a thing. Like, there, there's a game happening. I was very interested. And then – I don't know where they just where they was just it was you no know, like they couldn't get they couldn't score in the red zone to save their life they couldn't kick a field goal to save their life I'm like y'all are just giving these green beans this damn game and y'all irritating the life um it's fine you know I mean there's really not much else I could say other than the fact that I told you so I told you so that the Lions and Rams game was gonna be a trap game but nobody believes that don't listen to that no I was just I was having a heart attack at at halftime, I was like, "What? This is not happening." That was my attitude. It was like, it's "Not happening." And then I was like, "I remember Mac. You said this is a trap game." And I'm like, "Oh my god, this is her predictions coming true. This is not happening." So I was not a happy guy. I mean, it, really ha- did, it really did happen because, in all honesty, wipe the absolute floor with them. Like literally, should have wiped the floor with them. Now I'll tell you this: I gotta give I gotta give Jared Goff some credit. For the second time this season, going up against your former team, tremendous, tremendous play. He just don't have any parts. The only parts he has is TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, no, he's 
it, he's uh, actually you know, for an zero and seven QB. I mean, he's still pretty decent. But I mean, Detroit has that way of doing that to you, right? You can still play stellar as a quarterback, but the wins don't come. It's just the way it is. You could be spectacular. You could have a great showing, but just somehow you fall short every time. Just, I guess that's why Stafford's in L.A. Mm-hmm. Agreed. What do you think, Coach? Coach T? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, um, and I couldn't help but wonder because I watched most of that game. I couldn't help but wonder towards the end when I saw the Rams pull it out if, like we we were seeing right before our eyes, what the difference is between Goff and Stafford, because if you if you if you watch the game, Goff played well, Stafford played okay. And Stafford played well at the end, and they won the game. Goff played well for three quarters, and then when it mattered the most in the fourth quarter, he threw picks. And he made bad decisions, and they lost. So it makes me wonder, because those those two teams swap quarterbacks, is that literally the difference between the two guys? And, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe that's literally the difference. (laughs) And that's simple as that. Yeah, simple as that. Um, Mac, let's let's go into week week eight, and let's uh, and then and then we gotta dive into this Goodell news nonsense before we get out of here. So we got uh, ten minutes to finish up here, and then we got about five minutes to do some ranting on Goodell, I guess, if you want to do that. Um, so let's go into uh, Thursday night. These Arizona Cardinals. So Louise Bean out there probably happy. She's Arizona Cardinal fan. Seven and zero, three and zero at home. Uh, they're going up against the Cheeseheads, and I know you're no no fan of theirs, so uh, more than likely you're going with uh, Murray and company. Look, I'm going to say this. Kyler Murray is my damn twin. I don't care what nobody say. The only difference between him and I is an inch. You're a little sexier than Kyler Murray. I'm just telling you. And he, and, and, yeah, and he played he play quarterback. I don't. I don't play well. I can play quarterback, but not very well. Point being, I like to hit people, and he likes to throw things at people. Um, pass rushing defense that the Green Balls have over there in Wisconsin um, want no parts of him. Well, that offensive line he has, or the tight ends that he has. I mean, let's be honest. Kyler Murray is one of the fastest people on the planet. Okay, the only person in the league that's faster than him is Tyreek Hill, and maybe DK Metcalf, maybe, but. Kyler, you not you don't want to catch Kyler Murray. Oh, period. Like I don't care what nobody got to say. Um, also, his accuracy Mac, to me is just Mac, wild. Will this, what will this be Arizona's biggest test? Do you think is this Arizona's biggest test for them? No, 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 not at all. I think you don't Arizona think it's going to be against Jones and Adams. No, especially no? because they're at home. No, they're they're at home. Okay. They're seven and zero. Oh. You know they have nothing but upside. Like. If they lose, they're still going to be in the top. You know, they're still going to be in the top of the division because nobody else in their in their division is, is touching them. Um, as far as record currently, it's just like Dallas. Dallas is, is five and one, six and one, or something, and nobody in the NFC East is close to touching them. Um, I think it's going to be a good game on Thursday, but I'm still taking Arizona by seven, or actually, no, seventeen. All right. Um, let's, let's get Holly's takes here on week eight, and then we'll kind of evolve off of that. Here are the best matchups for the NFL in this coming weekend. Packers at Cardinals. This is a future playoff matchup. 
Both teams are red hot. This is a national stage game for the world to see exactly how good the Cardinals are playing. There should be a lot of points in this game. Steelers at Browns. We thought before the season started that this might be a huge game, but right now both teams are struggling. The Browns have been ripped apart by injuries, and the Steelers are just not good. The Browns are a better team on paper, but this might be a chance for the Steelers to steal one. Patriots at Chargers. Patriots had an excellent win last week, and the Chargers had a disappointing loss. This is a key game for both teams. The Patriots are playing with house money, as they're not expected to be great this year, but the Chargers have more at stake. 49ers at Bears. This should be renamed the Hot Mess Bowl. Both teams are in a tailspin. It would, however, be fun to watch to see if the Niners did start Trey, and you would have the Trey versus Justin Fields game. But so far, again, it sounds like they're going to stick with Jimmy for this game. All right. So, Mac, uh, let's get her. Let's get your takes on uh, New England Chargers. I think that's an interesting game, coming off a big win against, well, against the Jets, I guess, if you were, if you want to call that a big win. It's going up against <laughs> Herbert and company. So, uh, pretty intriguing matchup here. If Belichick and this kid uh, take down Herbert, that's that's a it's a good thing for New England uh, fans, don't you think? It's a pretty positive sign. Well, let me, I've been trying to tell you all this for a while. Matt Jones is a damn dude. Like, that, that, he's a G. I don't care what nobody is saying. Matt Jones is a guy. And when I say that, I mean, like, he has poise. He has accuracy. He even has a little bit more speed than he did coming out of college. And he's a rookie this year. He's going, he's going up against uh, second-year Justin Herbert, or first year, I can't remember. He's been there a little bit longer. Um, this is – I'm not going to say this is a trap game because it's not really a trap game. Because, I mean, on paper, the Chargers are better. But after coming off of a win last week, this past weekend, and damn near beating my Cowboys um, at home in Gillette Stadium, is saying something like, he took, the, he took my Cowboys into overtime in Gillette Stadium. That just, that's unheard of, you know, especially for a rookie. And point being is, Mike Jones is basically Tom Brady 2.0. Like, same boom, same 40-time, same style of, like, how he throws the ball. Um, Justin Herbert, on the other hand, is a lot like Russell Wilson. Very accurate, very speedy, has disgustingly good field vision, but he just seems to have a little bit more moving parts than than Matt Jones does. Um, Which is interesting because, Matt, you know, they just blew the Jets out of the water. I mean, yes, it's the Jets, but... You know, they were a pretty decent team last year uh, up until the whole Sam Darnold trade and all that other stuff. Um, the point being, I, I got to take Mac Jones and Bill Belichick by 10. I just, I don't, yeah, I, reason, I, I, I don't agree with see you. the Chargers I think, I think it's a, I think it's a Patriots win. Um, it's going to be a huge loss for, I think, the Chargers if they go down here, but there's potential for the Patriots to, to do it. Um, coach, Monday night, uh, John, Jones and the Giants go up against Kansas City. If the Chiefs get beat here, uh, are we talking like, you know, the coach issue with a quarterback, or or it was just it's just the fact that they got no run game. I mean, if they get beat here on Monday night, big spotlight. If the Giants somehow can pull it off, yeah. I mean, I guess anything could happen <laughs> in theory. Uh, the Giants just came off a pretty dominant win, which is surprising, and the Chiefs are coming off of a really dominant loss. 
um, they just got dominated by the Titans. So kind of polar opposites there, but I still am a believer or more of a believer in Mahomes and Reed, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey than I am Daniel Jones. But unless they're on a fantasy level or on a real scoring level. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I believe in the Chiefs more than the Giants for what it's worth. Okay. And so it might be a close game, but I still take the Chiefs. So you think they'll rebound? Is that your thing is they'll yeah. rebound, right? They'll yeah, look they're, at, they're they'll look at the rebound. Yep, that's the drawing board. Yep, they'll come. They'll, they'll be yeah. locked in. All right, uh, Mac. I don't want to. I don't want to like sway you off from the other game, which is Sunday night. Your your Dallas Cowboys in the spotlight. Five and one, two and one on the road, taking on this the struggling Vikings team. Three and three. So it's going to be an interesting matchup here. If they if they run the ball or they balance attack. It's going to be really good for Dallas. Uh, uh, I don't know if Cook will play. There's some doubts there as well. Um, so the Vikings in itself, I mean, they're pretty competitive. They haven't lost by big margins, but they are 3-3. Three and three, So uh, I know you're taking Dallas, but what do you think of the Vikings here against your Cowboys? Well, we playing in Minnesota. So I'm going to give Minnesota three points just for that. That's the only three points they get, but they can have three points because they got home field advantage. Uh, but it's basically exactly what you said. If uh, if Dallas can come out have like Dallas has come out the past six weeks, um, you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long game for Minnesota. Like Dallas is just hot right now. Dallas is on right now, and Dallas is getting Michael Gallup back, which means all five of my receiving core will be back and fully healthy. Like Michael Gallup on one side. Judy Lamb mirroring him, um, uh, Cedric Wilson on the same side, and then, of course, you can't forget Amari Cooper. And then when you sprinkle in Dak scrambling and his passing, the, the offensive line is actually holding up, which I love. And the fact that you we constantly are moving in pieces, like Ezekiel Elliott to, you know, one or two plays, Tony Pollard one or two plays, my fullback a play or two. Like, it, it, it wears down on a on – a, a defense. Minnesota hasn't quite been as consistent as they normally are, which is also interesting, but not shocking at the same time because they lost a lot of parts. Um, they let they let pieces go. They let coaching pieces go. You know, new in, old out, type, you know, type thing. So um, I think Minnesota gives us a game for the first quarter, and then I think Mike McCarthy opens up the playbook and starts letting Dak throw the ball. I agree. I think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, So that's what you got Monday night, uh, Thursday night, Green Bay against Arizona. Don't forget to uh, check out Monday night live stream with Jen Walter on Twitch TV. Check out Coach Jen on Twitch TV on Thursday night, uh, courtesy of Prime Video as well. So check out, go to Jen Walter on Facebook, Dr. Jen Walker on Instagram. So check it out on Twitch TV, Jen Walker on Thursday night football, Green Bay versus Arizona. Sunday night, we got Dallas against Minnesota. Monday night, we got the Giants against the Chiefs. Um, Let's go, Mac. Let's talk about this. Uh, Roger Goodell said Tuesday at the league owners meeting that he doesn't yet have enough information about the 22 civil lawsuits on Deshaun Jackson, which I do not believe that at all. You're an entity of this big. You're able not to acquire any information. Are you kidding me? 
I'm not even gonna lie. That man disgusts me. Like he is irritating as hell. I, you don't have information on the twenty-two counties, really. You a whole lot. If you don't want to say something, just say I decline the interview. Like you ain't got to lie about it. Hell, I just it, it it baffles me. Like, and this is the thing that baffles me about like time sports engines, NFL, MLB, you know, and, and NHL, you know, all the major professionally paid entities is that, okay, when somebody screws up or messes up or acts stupid, we want to just pretend we can slide it under the rug for a little bit of money, a little bit of hush-hush, whatever. But then when things start to go viral, you all of a sudden, oh, now I have, and now now you got some information? I feel like that's exactly what's going to happen. Because the same thing happened with the whole the whole Brady-Belichick display gate, the whole, you know, um, Robert Kraft incident, the freaking Urban Meyer incident. I mean, I can keep going. Shoot, I can give you a list of things that has happened in the past six months all the way up to Christmas of next year that have probably been swept on the table or just this, put on hush this give the league. This has got to give the league a black eye in terms of PR. It's like you've got to either come up with some def- definitive thing. I mean, uh, his quote is, we pride ourselves on not interfering in that and in being as cooperative as we can in order to get all the facts. I think that process is still ongoing, unquote. Okay, so how, how many more months are we going to know that this quarterback doesn't belong in the NFL or he needs to be suspended or he needs to be taken off for a year or two or whatever? I mean, you, we had instance where you can make a decision. You're try, you, you need to make a decision for Texans fans, number one, right? Because you're leaving Texans fans in the loop. Mm-hmm. Are we getting our quarterback back or we're not, right? Are we trading the quarterback or we're not? I mean, somebody's got to make a decision here. Terry, you agree or no? Agreed, yeah. Puts everybody in a bad spot. Puts the Texans in a bad spot. Um, the league just needs to make a, make a decision. I mean, having everything up in the air like this and not knowing how long the legal process will take, I mean, the whole thing's just a nightmare. And so I understand some stuff is just takes time, but it, 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 in the same token, you know, they find out they find out other information pretty quickly. So I'm not sure what the holdup is with this. I'm just saying we have domestic violence. We have all these other things that have happened in the past, and these uh, and all yeah. these players have even have been either dealt with, right, and taken care of. Yeah. My my yeah. situation. And my beef is that these play, the Players Association should be the first organization to say Deshaun Watson is suspended for two years based on his actions, you know, outside the football field. Thank you very much, and we'll, we'll get back to you. Not, it shouldn't be the NFL commissioner to rule that. It should be the Players Association to rule that, especially if he has 22 filed lawsuits, right? It's like mm-hmm. you have to rule that out. It looks bad on the NFLPA. It looks bad in the NFL. All right, um, Mac. Let's move on to the next garbage thing that the NFL is dealing with, which is the Washington <laughs> football team won't release, okay, won't release what what the investigation was supposed to be in in the first place, the workplace culture. Uh, I I I don't get this this league. Look, I just had to take a sip of my water before I explain this. What the hell is going on this damn NFL league? First, we got Roger Goodell. They don't quite have all the information. In the nutshell, 
bro, you lying. We know you lying. Stop trying to save face and just say, be like, I don't want to talk about it. I, I decline the interview. Ain't that freaking hard to do such a thing? On the flip side, the Washington football team, who is already a hot-ass mess to begin with, okay, definitely is just adding fuel to this fire of bad PR for the league itself. Like, legitimately, that's a thing. And I don't know if either party knows how to, like, I don't know, correctly save face. Because they're not doing a real good job of it right now. I mean, like, y'all just now are coming out with, oh, there's workplace culture investigation. Uh, we've been on that since y'all had to change the name of y'all damn team. What's the high now? I don't, I don't know about I don't know about you, but is somebody covering up for Daniel Snyder? Because that's the guy that pays him. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> I'm thinking that's what's going on, right? If I was the Daniel Snyder and I'm paying you salary, uh, maybe I do have a mafia mentality for you and say, <laughs> you're going to do what I tell you or, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if he's getting uh, bullied, in other words, not to come up mm-hmm. with the truth or let the investigation go. Right? I mean, I'm just throwing it out there as just sort of throwing it out there, but I'm thinking that's where it is. I mean, he, he works for the owners. The owners are not going to disclose themselves as garbage, right? Because Daniel Snyder would then throw them, himself as, as a garbage owner, especially with allowing all that stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just for me. It's just like, is this like, are y'all what? What are y'all covering up, and who are y'all covering up for? Yep. That's what I'm yep. trying to figure out. Like, this is not, this is not how this is supposed to go. Y'all are grown ass adult men, women in this organization. If somebody screws up, be blunt about it and be like. You screwed up. These are the consequences, and this is just how it's going to have to be. Like, just I don't know. Like, I don't think there's any job that's that's super important or any portion of there that's super important to save face over, you know, over the brand or company that you work for. All right, um, I'll give you the quote before we get out of here. Goodell on Snyder quote: "I do not think he's been held accountable." Unquote. No duh, bro. No duh. <laughs> <laughs> See, he irritates the taste out of my mouth. I just, I don't think he's gonna have a camel. Hell, you can even hold yourself accountable, little old Dan Snyder. Hell, like, I know we're not talking about accountability because you'd have been out your seat and out the chair about 13 years ago if that was the case. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, we got about uh, 60 seconds to get out of here. Thanks, to, uh, Coach Terry uh, Lister, for coming in here and giving us a lowdown on the college. Uh, international news and the NFL. Thanks for the salty one. Always entertaining. Uh, Mark Simone for coming back. Really, really appreciate him making the time for that. Uh, for the absent, Nate Ward, Polly Custis, Oscar Lopez here saying, we'll catch you here for 397 going towards the big 400. Uh, see you next week. Have a great night, everybody. See you. Welcome back to Holly's Corner. Here are some of the most interesting results in college football for the week is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.